With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it may be a quiet time for sports in uh, New Zealand at the moment, but I tell you where it's not quiet is over there in the UK, the English Premier League. It feels like there's been a fixture every day for about the last week, and I think there probably has been. And this morning, Liverpool cementing their slot at the top of the Premier League with a real hard-fought 4-2 win over Newcastle in a game uh, which uh, wasn't really decided until the very, very end of it. And joining us uh, on the line is a friend out of the UK, football commentator extraordinaire Adam Summerton, uh, who you can also hear sometimes on Netflix's uh, Welcome to Wrexham, Doco. Adam, how are you, my friend? I'm really good. Good to speak to you again. It's great to speak to you. Um, just before I, I get into the football, that was a pleasant surprise as I'm watching Welcome to Wrexham. I think it was this, maybe the back end of the, <laughs> the second season and you're calling um, what was a fantastic game of football and all of a sudden your name, I'm like, that's, I'm sure that's Adam Summerton. <laughs> yeah, do you know, it's amazing how many people have, have said this to me, like friends who I've not spoken to for literally years. I'm sure that's so. It's been it's been quite funny, yeah, because we we were really lucky to cover Wrexham and, and well, Wrexham and Not County's title race last season, and we got some unbelievable, some of the most enjoyable games I think I've ever watched, and I've covered all levels of the game. It was it was absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm still waiting for my royalties check off. Of Robin Ryan, I, I must chase that one. But uh. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, yeah. like, uh, I mean, that documentary's turned my son into a Wrexham fan, and I think um, uh, there's a lot of Americans that are Wrexham fans. And what you know, R- Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have done for that club um, is really, really cool. And now they're flying high, I think, in in a playoff spot or at least even an automatic promotion spot um, in League Two. Um, the story just keeps getting better and better for for Wrexham and their fans. Yeah, absolutely. And Paul Mullins just signed a new contract as well. I think Elliot Lee might off too, so they're keeping their best players as well. Um, and it's not just Wrexham. I mean, not County are right up there who got promoted with them. They lost today, not, but they're right in the race for promotion again. You've got Stockport there mm. uh, who got promoted from the National League the season before. Um, Barrow were up there who got promoted, I think it was three or four seasons ago. So, yeah, a lot of the clubs who've gone up have uh, done really well, which is it's great to see. Could we see Wrexham in the Premier League in four, five years' time? Do you think that's a possibility? Or, or will they I need, think, need a yeah. bit more backing? I think it, it's possible. Um, I think that to do it in that time frame would be a tall order, a big ask. But I think what Wrexham have got in their favour, the other clubs who maybe have made that leap 
Um, like, for example, Salford City, who got you know very famous owners themselves, the class of '92, the Manchester United players. Mm. The difference between they, they've really struggled to, to progress once they got out of the National League. They, they had a, a near miss, I think it was last season in the playoffs, certainly very recently. But other than that, they've just struggled to make that next step, and I think that's partly because they were always a very, very small club with a very small supporter base. Whereas Wrexham already have that big stadium that's already being expanded. They've, they've got a, a very well-established, large supporter base. And that's important because it generates their own money. So when it comes to things like financial fair play, there are a lot more restrictions. It's a lot harder for a club like Salford City by their own means mm. to be able to make that progress financially because they've always got to balance the books, if you like, and they've got less revenue coming in. Whereas Wrexham have got the revenue of you know a, a big supporter base, but then also extra revenue streams now that have been generated by their owners. Um, and you know the, the merchandising, for example, that's going all over the world now for Wrexham. Yeah. So in that respect, I think they're much better set up to progress further um, but it, but it, it won't be easy I think once you, once you get to say League One that and then maybe as you're looking to go up from League One to the Championship I then think it, it's, an, it's a whole new ball game financially again and, and I think that is, is where they might find it difficult but, but they've got the, the, the people there and they've got the will and the dedication to eventually get to the Premier League. Yes, I do I do think they have got that, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll uh, no doubt we'll be keeping watch on Netflix.com for the latest on that. Um, Adam, this seems like a Premier League season where no one wants to win. Uh, like, you know, like, uh, you know, City had a, had a poor run there. And uh, and now, and the thing about City is everyone's, oh, City's having a poor season. They're um, on, if they've got a game in hand, they could be two points off the top of the table. That's how good the side is. But, but Arsenal's been the real struggler over this period of time with what one point probably in their hardest game on paper, which was Liverpool at Anfield. Um, I mean, at the start of the, the Christmas period, they would have been stoked with that result. But man, they've really fallen off the wayside from first to fourth. But it just seems that, that no one really wants to, to win this league at the moment. I know that's not the case, but uh, everyone's struggling to, to get away, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's very competitive, and it makes it great viewing for the neutral, I have to say. And Liverpool now three points clear after their victory tonight over Newcastle. Um, as you say, though, Manchester City do have that game in hand. And I, I would still make, if I, if I were forced to, if I had to predict a winner right at this moment, I would still go for Manchester City simply because of, you know, the, the amount of times they've been there and done it. Yes, as you rightly say, that they've not hit that, the heights yet in the Premier League that we know that they're capable of this season. But it's made it, it's making it more interesting viewing for everybody else because the, you know, the fear was that City would run away with it again this season. But they've lost Kevin De Bruyne to, to injury. He's, he's close to a return now. Uh, he's been a really big miss. I mean, one of the, the best midfield players the Premier League has ever seen. Any side is going to miss a player of that calibre. Rodri has had one or two little spells out injured. He's, again, so important for them in the midfields. Um, Haaland's been out just recently, too. So they've had one or two injury problems. I think if you win a treble, you know, like they did last season, there has to be, you maybe do lose that little bit of an edge. I mean, they would never admit to it. But, you know, if you've been there and you've gone on and you've won a treble, I mean... I, 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 I suppose that any sports person's hunger might just sort of drop a little bit when you've hit those heights and to go and do it again immediately. I wonder whether that is perhaps another little factor here with City this season. But um, I fully expect them to come on strong in the second half of the season. Liverpool have not had a better chance of winning the title since they last won it um, during the, the COVID-interrupted season. And, and Arsenal are a real conundrum, aren't they? Because you look at them and you think, 
is this going to be their year now? Look, City are faltering a little bit. We saw how they pushed City right towards the end last season. You think, well, maybe this is going to be Arsenal's year. Um, but you're right to point out the last couple of games, particularly the last game against Fulham, they just looked a bit jaded, I thought, mm. which would be which would be setting off one or two alarm bells. But, you know, they've got the quality. They've got the quality to go on and win it. But there's a mental factor to it all as well. And that's why you look particularly to Liverpool and City at this point as the last two sides to win the Premier League title. And you just think how much of an edge will that give them as well. So it's going to be a fascinating second half of the season. You, you can't discount as well clubs like Villa and Spurs, particularly mm. You know, Villa have surprised a lot of people. Spurs have got a lot of quality, but have had a lot of injuries recently. Postecoglou's completely transformed them. So I don't think you can discount those two teams. They they deserve to, to be in the conversation. But for me, it will, I think, ultimately boil down to a race between City, Liverpool and Arsenal. You, you look at Arsenal over the course of the last five games, four points from 15, and I think in a season where you've got niggly sides like Villa, Tottenham and West Ham all performing above what we thought, you can't afford a period of play where in, in five games you only score four points and you're losing points to teams that are below the top 10. Yeah, and I thought West Ham did a real job on them. I, I was surprised to hear Arteta say that he felt his side really deserved to win that game because yeah. I thought West Ham were fantastic that night. I thought that they defended so well and, and took the chances when they came their way. I know that there was a, a lot of controversy over the first goal and I don't think we'll ever truly know whether that was in or out. It was so hard to tell. But I, I was really impressed by West Ham that, that, um, that night. And, you know, they're sort of the team just outside of that top five, they're six, but they've been, you know, they've impressed a lot of people this season, built well on their European success of last season. I think they've got a lovely blend in their midfield and good forward players like Kudus, who, who they're going to lose to the Africa Cup of Nations now. And Bowen has been absolutely fantastic, hasn't he? So, um, yeah, but I agree what you're saying about Arsenal. I, I think that, I think people are always looking at Arsenal and just wondering whether they've, they've completely got rid of all that mental fragility out of the, the squad as a whole that held them back for so many years. You know, you looked at Arsenal at times, not not last season, but in seasons prior to that, and you look and you thought there's a weakness about them at times, at big moments when you really need them to step up. You just wonder whether that there's a little bit of a fragility to them. That certainly wasn't the case for the vast majority of last season and people will always be looking to watch and see well you know who can handle this because that's a big factor in terms of winning a premier league title can you ha- handle the the pressure mentally because it's it's absolutely um it's so demanding isn't it it's, it's mm. that grind of week in week out teams know they're going to be tested and a team like fulham can roll you over if, if you're not at it as, as arsenal were the other day adam a couple of questions to wrap thank you so much for your time um first of all was the biggest mis- misstep in the last 10 years of the manchester united football club sacking david moyes after one season i mean i look at the <laughs> turmoil because he had the worst job in the history of football and that is to manage yeah. United off the back of Sir Alex Ferguson. You could have put Pep Guardiola, you could have put the greatest manager of all time in there, and he probably would have struggled. And and for me, I think Moyes has proved over the course of time that that was a poor decision. When I think they finished in the top four anyway from the United board to get rid of David Moyes. And I know Sir Alex Ferguson was against that decision to remove him as well. Well, he's a fantastic manager. I interviewed him recently, actually, and it was at a time after, you know, after they lost to Liverpool in the League Cup and he'd come under a lot of criticism for the team that he picked. Yes. And I, and I sort of said to him, I was really surprised just how critical people have been of Moyes when you look at his track record at West Ham. And I just said to him, look, you're four years, coming up four years in charge here. You've had the, the highest league finish in 22 years, 
first major trophy in 43 years. He must be pretty proud of that. And he said, thanks for pointing that out because, you know, he just felt like he'd come under a real barrage of criticism. Uh, you make a great point in terms of the Manchester United job. It was the same for Unai Emery when he went in at Arsenal after mm. Arsene Wenger. Very similar circumstances. You don't want to be that next guy in. And maybe there was, there was a part of that. But I think the whole culture at Manchester United since Ferguson left, it's not been conducive really to success, for, not certainly not on a, on a long-term basis for any manager. Look at the names who've been there. You're great for the game, like Mourinho, Van Gaal is somebody who's, who's done some great things during his coaching career. Solskjaer for me was never the right appointment. I thought that was a terrible decision in the, in the first place. But, you know, you look at some of the coaches that, that, that they've been through there. Um, and David, I include David Moyes in that. And, you know, these are, are well-established, successful names in the game, particularly Mourinho and Van Gaal. I mean, Moyes hasn't won a great deal, but he's, he's done great things. You know, for example, getting Everton into Europe when he did, you know, getting them into the top four. He's, he's, he's done well in his career. Um, yeah, I mean Manchester United. There's, there's so much. There's so many bigger problems at Manchester United. I would say even now than there is of the manager. Van Gaal for me is nowhere near Manchester United's biggest problem. Yeah, but he will ultimately carry the can, and, and I would be surprised if he sees out the season. But as I say, I don't think he's anywhere near their, their biggest problem. It's the culture at United. It's absolutely rotten to the core, and. and you know that has been proved time after time after time. And how many more managers need to go before? You know, it's that the people who are perhaps really causing the problems uh, pay with their jobs. As a Liverpool supporter, keep on doing what you're doing, Manchester. I keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, final, final question, Adam. I want to talk about Chris Wood just briefly. Um, 62 goals in the Premier League now. Scored a hat trick last week. He scored four goals in three games under the new manager. Uh, 62 goals in the Premier League uh, has overtaken David Beckham, Andy Carroll, a couple of other really good players as well. Uh, and uh, over the course of a 13-year professional career, uh, just keeps going and going and going. And and there's you know there's a discussion starting to develop in New Zealand whether or not he is surpassing Winton Roofer as New Zealand's greatest ever footballer. But you know your your thoughts as a neutral on on what Chris Wood offers for for any Premier League side that he plays for. Well, the hat trick he got against his former club, club Newcastle, was just fantastic. Yes. I live in Nottingham, and you know he's he's very well liked here, um, no doubt about that. And I just think that he's he's a very honest footballer, isn't he? You know what you're going to get from him. Um, he's very committed. I think he's got a great attitude. He's a good finisher. He's very useful if you play to his strengths as well. I don't think he's always in his career in, in the English Premier League. I'm not sure that's always been the case. Mm. He's certainly not always been a regular starter everywhere that he's gone. But when he's, you know, when he gets opportunities, he, he, there is a consistency at times about him as well, isn't there? You know, he, he's done. I know there have been times when he's not been able to get in teams where obviously you can't score if you're not in the team, can you? But you know, he's somebody who's, who's very often delivered for, for managers and for teams that he's been at. And I think he's one of the greats of New Zealand football, isn't he? I think he's right up there in, in terms of, of that category. And I just yeah. hope that he's inspiring people, inspiring young players in New Zealand as well. You know, the most watched league in the world that he's playing in. And, and I just hope that that is helping to generate more young talent in New Zealand's and, and, and young players who might ultimately make the step to come over here as well and, and, and play in the English Premier League or one of the other top European leagues. I think he's a big inspiration in that respect. And, and to have the longevity that he has at this level in this league, I think is really impressive. Yeah, he's um, he's a good bloke too. Uh, finally, I know that uh, you've got a passion for Italian football. Last year's Serie A, one of the greatest league seasons of all time. How, how has it been uh, this season uh, in Serie A this year, uh, Adam? 
well, this season? Well, the champions Napoli just just haven't lived up to anything like what they were last season after seeing their manager Spalletti take the Italian job and um, they lost their, one of their key defenders in Kim. Um, they've just not hit anything like the levels. Um, Milan are stuttering. It, it really does look like it's Inter's to lose. I mean, I know that Juventus are still up there with them. They're just about keeping pace with them. But if you're asking me right now who is the best team in Italy, I would say that although the table doesn't necessarily suggest this, I would say that Inter are by some distance for me the, the best team in Italy right now. And look, I mean, they messed it up a bit on in terms of the last two games in the Champions League group stage to not win their group, which is you know perhaps going to hurt them now in, in the round of 16 in terms of not being one of the top seeds. But I, I think there's still a chance that they could go a long way in the Champions League again. There's a great balance about them. Um, Lautaro Martinez has linked up superbly with Turam. There's a great understanding there. Jan Zomer has come in in goal and has proved an upgrade in terms of clean sheets, certainly on Onana. And they just look such a well-balanced, well-coached team mm. in turn. I would fully expect them to go on and, and win the title now. I mean, their city rivals, Milan, are a big story because... You know, he won the league a couple of years ago, and there's a lot of talk continually that Pioli, you know, could lose his job. So that's something to keep an eye on. And Juve are grinding out results very often, but not in with any great style. They're not great to watch, but they are just about keeping pace at the moment with uh, with Inter. So we'll see what they can do in the second half of the season. But uh, yeah, Napoli have, have have really been disappointing this season. That how much they've dropped off, really. Adam Asamazan, always a pleasure. A happy New Year to you and yours, and we'll catch up again soon. Same to you. Take care. UK football commentator Adam Summerton there on uh, Summer Days here on SENZ. It's coming up eight minutes to midday. Uh, so just looking at the Premier League table, uh, Liverpool cementing that spot at the top of the league. 45 points from 20 games, six uh, draws and a loss uh, going with 13 wins. Uh, Villa are in second, 42 points from the same amount of games. City uh, have a game in hand, five points behind Liverpool. Uh, and Arsenal uh, make out the top four on 40 points. Spurs, West Ham and United uh, also there or thereabouts. United, 14 points off the lead. Wow. Uh, and at the bottom of the table, it's the three promoted teams from last year. Sheffield United, Burnley and Luton Town. But double eight, double three on Chris Wood uh, and his longevity in the elite level of top football. Is he approaching Winston Roof, Roofer-esque? I know he's probably never going to win a European title, never win a, a league title. Um, certainly if he stays at Nottingham Forest, that's not going to happen. But man, the dude just keeps going and going and going. More Premier League goals than David Beckham. I know they're different players, different positions, but at the end of the day, that's, that's a great achievement. And more goals than Andy Carroll, who once played Champions League football for Liverpool, as an example.